We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, a segment we're going to do, it's going to be a shorter segment. We'll probably talk about 15, 20 minutes is we're going to dive into some games. Now that Notre Dame no longer controls their own destiny, Notre Dame is 100% in control of what the outcomes will be for themselves in their next seven games. They are hundred percent in control of that. They control how they play against Duke this weekend and Louisville next and then USC and then Pitt and Clemson and Wake Forest and Stanford beyond that. Their postseason future no longer is in their own hands because of the loss this weekend. So they're going to need some help. And so what we'll do with it and when these segments each week is we'll kind of take a look at some games that that we think can help Notre Dame uh, in in as far as getting to to the po- to the college football playoff because that to me is still the objective. If Notre Dame can make the corrections as a team that they need to make, I my my opinion of Notre Dame has not changed of what they can be this season, Ryan, my opinion has changed of whether or not they will be that team, but my opinion, and if anything, the way that they played against Ohio state solidifies that this team is really talented. It, they yes. just got to be turned loose a little bit. Some areas, they got to play better in some other areas. They got to coach better in some other areas. Right. Uh, but this team is very good. So we're going to look at some games that we are, that we believe ha- could have the biggest impact for Notre Dame this season. Like, Notre Dame standing. So sometimes it'll be you need a team to lose. Sometimes it's you need a team to win. Sometimes it's looking at at the um, you know Notre Dame needs a, an opponent to win to boost their resume. There's all types of different ways. So we're going to look at those games. So we're going to we're going to go chronologically, Brian. And the first game, and there's two Friday games we're actually going to look at. The first one is tomorrow night, Friday, September 29th at seven o'clock on ESPN. Louisville plays at NC State. And so the question is, what game matters now? As far as Notre Dame's overall standing, it's uh, you're you're going to get a win and a loss on your opponent strength of schedule. I mean, it, it it's sure it is. Which one matters most for Notre Dame, Ryan? I'm going to contend that if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're wanting to know which game is best for Notre Dame, it's Louisville. Okay. Now you play them both on the road but Louisville would be the more recent and there's always a recency bias when it comes to how teams, how, how voters, even the college football playoff to a degree, there's always a recency bias 
towards how they view a team. So if you beat Louisville, a ranked Louisville team on the road in October, it's going to look better than if you beat an unranked NC State team at the time on the road on September, was it 9th? Mm-hmm. So I think Louisville winning this game at NC State is better for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think that when you lose a football game like Notre Dame just lost last week, it's kind of a break in a resume a little bit, right? And now the rest of the resume is what matters most, in my opinion. And NC State has a loss on the record. It's to Notre Dame at this point. Louisville is an undefeated team. And I think that right now you're banking on Notre Dame the rest of the season in their control, wins out, and potentially beats a Louisville team. A team that has gotten off to a I've been a little bit up and down, but like they've done some good stuff under Jeff Brom already. And Brian Brom is our offensive coordinator. Like there's been a lot of good to get out of that. So I think that Notre Dame coming off of a loss, it's almost like a, a new chapter of a season for me, right? When you kind of diagnose like where this team is and who this team is and what this team can contend for and what they could do moving forward. So I just think it's like comfortably Louisville. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like I think it's comfortably Louisville in my opinion, because it's now going to be about what happens the last seven games of your season if you are Notre Dame. The last first five, it's going to be in the resume, obviously. But I think especially when you get more down to crunch time of when those voters' votes really matter and mm-hmm. what the committee thinks, that's what matters most is the back half of the schedule or the most recent part of the schedule. So I think it's Louisville convincingly yeah part of the reason it's that way for me too ryan is because of how nc state has looked meaning if nc state goes out and beats louisville this weekend they're not jumping to the top 25 there is a minor chance that louisville could jump into the top 25 with a win this week there is depending on how some things happen with with some other teams and all that because they are undefeated and and they've looked good in being undefeated i mean the ap right now has louisville 28th and the coaches poll has them 31st. So they're on the cusp. 
you know, they, they had 32 votes this week. Fresno at number 25 had had 64. So there's a chance if there's some upsets this week that Louisville could jump into the top 25. NC State has no chance to jump in the top 25. I don't even know that they're um, – they didn't receive a single vote in the AP poll and honestly shouldn't. I mean, they, they lost by 21 at home to Notre Dame. They looked ugly, sloppy beating UConn, and they played really poorly. Again. Now, they won, but they played really bad against a bad Virginia team. I mean, yeah. really bad against a bad Virginia Virginia's team. So a bad team. Yeah. There's no choice that beating Louisville at home is going to boost their resume and start getting them in the top 25. Louisville wins. There's a chance. Because here's the other thing, too. Let's let's be honest, Ryan. If you're a conspiracy theorist like me, and I've become one the last few years, you don't think ESPN has already determined that next week's Louisville game is going to be a night game? You don't think there's going to be some pressure to say, hey, let's uh, let's make this a ranked, you know, ranked team? Or you know, there's people that care about clicks and stuff like that and say, you know, let's make this a ranked team. So, so there's always that kind of aspect to it, but, but because of how bad NC state has looked, I think this is a game that Notre Dame needs Louisville to win. The other part of it too, Ryan, is this is a, um, when you, when you look at, this is a road game for Louisville. So that only adds to the quality of the win. Should they be able to beat NC state on the road? It, and that, that factors into it as well. No, two hours later, kickoff out West Ryan on Fox sports one FSN one or FS1, number 10 Utah plays at number 19 Oregon State. One of the things Notre Dame needs to happen, and we've talked about this, is for these leagues that are really deep to sort of annihilate themselves. Cannibalize each other, maybe. Yes. Right now, that hasn't happened yet in the in the big to the in the Pac 12 to a degree. Now Washington State started it last week with a really good win over Oregon State. But there are still six undefeated teams in the league, but five overall undefeated 4 no football teams in the Pac-12. Right Now, a lot of them play each other, but they need, they need to lose games that aren't just against each other where there's like three one-loss teams, right, or two one-loss teams because they don't all play each other because of the way that the league schedule is now. So this is one of those times where you need a team like Utah, who's back-to-back Pac-12 champs, who's 4-0 without their starting quarterback so far, ranked ahead of Notre Dame, they're going to get a lot of credibility, rightfully so, for the recent success. They need Oregon State to win this football game, in my opinion. And then that's one team that allows Notre Dame to kind of jump back into the top 10, should Notre Dame handle its business, jump into the back, or jump back into the top 10, and also knocks out. Because to me, it, it you know, Utah and Notre Dame both finished the year with one loss. Notre Dame's loss is to, is to Ohio State. Utah's is to Oregon State. Notre Dame's getting in the playoff. Yeah, I, I agree. That's just yeah. the way that it is. An undefeated well, I, Utah team would deserve yes. to get in. Sure. Well, and, and Brian, I know in the in the preseason when people asked us about like you know college football playoff picks and like that type of thing, I always kept Pac-12 team out of the playoffs in my scenarios because I do think they're kind of kind of cannibalize each other. I do. I mean, I think that. What you saw last week, Washington State over Oregon State is a minor upset. Like, I think that that's going to become a pretty common occurrence during the Pac-12 season. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be a single Pac-12 team. Again, I could be wrong at the end of the day. Like, we'll see what happens. But I think every Pac-12 team is going to lose at least one game this season. Yeah. I really do. I Because I, I think that league is deep, man. Like, it it's is. good. Like, Utah, Oregon State, now Washington State playing good ball. Oregon playing good ball. USC, UCLA can pull an upset from time to time, right? Washington they almost like, did it against Utah last week. That is not, that is not an easy out. Arizona is not an easy out right now, Ryan. They're not. 
They're not even, an Arizona, easy out. even Arizona State. Arizona State's not a good team, but like they gave USC all they could handle in that game. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's exactly. A, it's a really good league. So I think that I think the Oregon State has a chance. I mean, Oregon State's a tough football team, man. Yeah, they yeah. came out on the wrong end against Washington State, but Jonathan Smith is going to be ready to match against Utah. And I'll say oh, this yeah. about Utah: Utah's gotten the job done so far without Cam Rising. But the one thing I'll say is that I love Nate Johnson, the athlete. But they do not trust him as a passer. They no. don't trust him. They do not trust him. So they are a team. I don't know if it's sustainable offensively to continue winning the way that they're winning if Cam Rising does not get back healthy very, very soon. I know that when, it was a chance he could play last week, but like I just don't know exactly when he's going to be available fully, obviously. And, and UCLA laid a little bit of the blueprint out on how to keep keep Nate Johnson in the pocket. That's yep. what they did. He 14 carries for two yards. So he got some sacks on him, some hits on him. He couldn't rip off the long run. He went 9 of 17 throwing the football for 117 yards and a touchdown. You can't win a bunch of games, Ryan, with 219 yards of offense. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just – Even with that defense, you know, but yes. Yes, 100%. yes. Uh, it, you're just – you're in, in Oregon State's one of those teams. You might be able to beat UCLA at home. You're not You're not going to, to me, go on the road and beat Oregon State. And this is a big win for Oregon – this is a big game for Oregon State as well. They need to bounce back. You know, there's no shame losing at Washington State by three last week. None. That's a no, good football team, good and they team. battled their butts off. And they they were getting worked early, Ryan. I mean, they they did a great job coming back and battling back in that football game. You know, and oh yeah, and, I, th- I thought Washington State was going to run away with it. Oh, it's like 35-14 yeah. going into the fourth yeah. quarter, and and they put a nice drive together, made stops. Now again, they scored late. They needed an onside kick to you know to have a chance to to win it. But still, I mean, we crazier things have happened. So I, I thought Oregon State showed a lot of heart last week. Uh, that they also showed that they can be a little bit more vulnerable to the pass than I than I maybe would have thought. And and that just might be that Washington State's just really good this year. But Cameron, Cameron Ward, Ward is balling, man. Balling he needs to be in the Heisman conversation right now. Right now, I mean, the numbers yeah, he's putting up. I mean, he went twenty eight of thirty four last week for four hundred four yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he is absolutely on fire right now. Uh, playing just absolutely great football, great football. And, uh, you know, I, I like what he's doing. So so that's a game where Oregon State needs the bounce back, and it's obviously good for Notre Dame because it's just one more Pac-12. And, and here's the other thing, too, is when these other Pac-12 teams lose more games and then beat another, it takes a, it, it makes the sting of the loss more from a perception standpoint. So if Utah drops a couple games and then goes and beats Washington later in the year, for example, now it sounds like, dude, you lost to a two or three loss Utah team. That that's that's a bad loss. Where you know, again, we're getting into resumes now. If Washington's twelve and one, and and Notre Dame's eleven and one, and Notre Dame's only loss is a three point home loss to Ohio State, and their loss is to a three four loss Pac twelve team, that's going to matter more than if they beat lose to USC or beat USC by or lose to USC by three or something like that. So that that's where you're. And this is what I hate about it, because now we have to have these conversations of style points and who has the best loss and all this because you didn't handle your business this weekend. But that's where we are, Ryan. Another quick game uh, that I wanted to ask you about, USC at Colorado. I'm of the belief that I want USC winning every game except oh, against yes. Notre Dame. Like I'm I'm also of the belief yeah. that USC is going to kill Colorado. I don't know. We'll see. We'll I see. think they're going to score more than they did against Oregon. I sure. do, yes. but I don't think this. This, no this is what you and I have been saying, Ryan. Like, Colorado's offense is pretty good. They they played a bad game against the Oregon. They're going to be able to score a little bit. But the thing you and I have talked, their defense sucks, and especially once you take Travis Hunter off of their corner. Not, not that it would have mattered. Like, they still would have got rolled last week. But 
it it doesn't help when your defense isn't very good and you lose your best player. Yes. You know, and and so uh, to me it's it's one of those things where they're going to get they're going USC is going to score a lot of points this weekend. Yeah, I just don't know how you stop USC's offense if you're Colorado. I just cuz I, I agree Brian, like I think that I said this to someone the other day, but like I think Colorado is going to score a decent amount against USC. I mean, I haven't put a score prediction on it, but like if Colorado scored in the twenties, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think right. USC's defense is great, and I think that Shador Sanders is a good player, and I think that they can. I think they can create some plays against USC, but ultimately, like again, I haven't put a score on it yet, but like I have a hard time thinking that they'll keep them below forty points this week. Talking about USC, just because they have so many in the first half, makers, man. Well, no, I'm saying like in the game in general. No, I'm like, being sarcastic. I, just, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's, not, it's yeah. possible though. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I just, I just don't know how they contend with Caleb Williams. I don't know yeah. how they get pressure on him. I don't know how they're going to stop those. Wide, that is a deep wide receiver group, man. Dorian Singer hasn't even played that well yet, and you're just like Brendan Rice and Taj mm-hmm. and Taj Washington and like all these dudes. Like it's just a good receiver group. So yeah. I, I, there's I no to me. There's stuff. no star there yet. Yeah. I think Zachariah Branch eventually will be. Yeah. It's just like you said, it's a lot of them. Deuce Robinson's playing for them. I mean, Dorian Singer's like yeah. their fourth or fifth leading receiver yeah. right now. Like Mario violent. Williams yeah. does nothing but catch short stuff. I mean, Mario yeah. Williams is sixth on their team in receiving yards. It's wild. So yeah, it's uh it's been impressive. Been very now again, they haven't played anybody worth a darn on defense, but you're doing what you're supposed to do against those teams, they're annihilating them. And uh yeah, they, they're impressive. So I, I'm in the boat of I think it's good for Notre Dame if USC win, keeps winning. Florida at Kentucky is another brief one. Um, Kentucky is one of three. I just want to bring this one up. They're one of only three SEC teams left that are undefeated. You know there are no undefeated teams left in the pack in the SEC West? That's wild. None. They've all lost a game now. But Florida is – or uh, Kentucky is one of those unranked teams. I don't think that game – uh, affects Notre Dame at all other than just an, another SEC loss it's just another annihilation the SEC game that I want to talk more about though Ryan is the one that is happening um, in and I'll be keeping an eye on like Georgia Auburn just some of those games just mm-hmm. because but they're you know they're not going to have I don't anticipate them going any any certain kind of way there's a game at six o'clock on Saturday night which is a weird kickoff time but number 13 LSU at number 20 Ole Miss this is a big one for me because Again, if yes, all the SEC West teams have a loss, yep. but there are a couple SEC West teams that if they get in there, they can beat Georgia. This is a, a, a more vulnerable Georgia team so far than what they were the last couple of years. They're still very good, but we're talking about being vulnerable to maybe getting upset in, in the SEC title game. Worst case scenario for Notre Dame is that somebody from the SEC West runs the table goes into the, against an undefeated Georgia team and beats Georgia, and that's Georgia's only loss. Because you know what happens then? Two SEC teams are getting the college football playoff, flat out. So it yeah. benefits Notre Dame to have those teams lose and not leave it up to Georgia to have to beat them in the SEC title game. And this is going to be one of the the better chances for LSU to catch a loss this year because I'm I'm not as optimistic about – Bama beating them, it's possible, but the rest of their schedule after this week, Ryan, is Missouri at Missouri, home against Auburn, home against Army, at Bama, home against Florida, home against Georgia State, home against Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. This is a game that if you're looking at it from a, a team that wants to make sure that there's not two SEC playoff teams, 
this is one of those games that could have a big say in that because Ole Miss is going to lose again. They they will. They will again. Yeah. LSU not so much. If LSU loses this weekend, they're done. They're out. Yeah. And and then now you start saying one well, a few weeks. I'm almost to the point where I'm like I'm rooting for LSU to beat Bama because now the league is done, the, or the sure. West is done. I should say. So uh, to me, for me, I got my eye on this game because I want to see Ole Miss bounce back from their loss to Bama last week and pull off an upset against LSU. I don't know that they can because I don't think their yeah. offense is that good this year. I really don't. Uh, but it, it, it's a game that I'm keeping my eye on for sure. Uh, it's a very strange pairing of teams because i think lsu has shown their vulnerability so far as well like yes they lose to florida state obviously that's vulnerable in that sense but like they should have lost to arkansas last week for in back-to-back years and arkansas let them off the hook a little bit last week in my opinion like i think this lsu team has some warts that people really ignored in the preseason and i think that they mm-hmm. potentially lose a game or two down the stretch here like there's no doubt about it and also ole miss is one of those teams brian that was like they get close to those upsets occasionally, it seems like, but they just rarely ever get on the other side of it, at least in the last couple of years. They just feel like they're going to upset someone at some point. Like, that's yeah. just the, the vibe I get for Ole Miss. So I am going to be strapped to the TV on that one. Oh, yeah. Because I really oh, think yeah. that one is one that can go either way. I haven't even made a pick on that game yet, but I look at that game and I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if LSU won. I wouldn't even be shocked if LSU won convincingly. Yes, agree. I also wouldn't be shocked if Ole Miss upset them, though. I, I, no. I think that there's a lot of ways that that game can go, which is just it's very interesting right now. Isn't LSU the most Brian Kelly team of all time, though? Oh, it's like yeah. They're beating the team that they should beat, and then they lost the biggest game of the season, and they almost right. lost Arkansas because they were just better coached, in my opinion. But that's yes. for another day. Agree. Yeah. Here's what gives me uh, some thoughts that LSU might be able – that the LSU is vulnerable to Ole Miss because it's about matchups, right? Yeah. Football is about matchups, and – and LSU's offensive line has not been great, in my opinion, at protecting Jaden Daniels against the better teams on their schedule. Yeah, I, I I don't think that he has. They have, and if he's not comf- if he's not comfortable in the pocket, like if he can sit back in the pocket and get time to throw, he will rip you up because he has a good weapons and he's a good quarterback. Yes. Yep, you've got to be able to dis- disrupt him, and and I think old, one thing Ole Miss is they're a very weird team. But one thing they've been good at this year, Ryan, is that they're very disruptive. Yeah. They're averaging over eight tackles for loss per game. They're averaging almost four sacks per game. Like they're a very disruptive There's football team. There's a lot of talents on that defensive line, especially. You have Jared Ivey, you have Cedric Johnson, you have Ukwu that transferred over from James Madison at defensive end. You also have Kerry Coleman that used to be at TCU. So, yeah, they have some disruptive players up front. Mm-hmm. That's no doubt about that. Here's the weird thing about Ole Miss, though. Here's what I just don't get. They went from being a really good rushing team last year, 256 yards a game. They're only averaging 146.8 yards per game this year, and that's pumped up because they had 299 against Georgia Tech. They ran for 56 against Bama, and this is why I picked Bama last week to win that game because I didn't think Ole Miss could score on Bama because their run game has been so bad. They ran for 56 yards against Bama last week. They only ran for 89 against Tulane and only 143 against Mercer. The Georgia Tech game is a anomaly. Quinshawn Junkins is only averaging 3.5 yards per carry. It's bizarre. He was at six last year. Yeah, he was or five seven last year as a freshman. I, I, know they, I, I know they lost a couple offensive linemen like Nick yeah. Breaker and Zach Evans at running back, then, right? Like, yeah, yeah. kind of weird. But kinda this weird. big of a drop though, it's like it's yeah, a very, it's, it's a very strange drop off. 
Especially they're going to have to with a quarterback that runs the ball well. Yes. Well, right. Like it's well, he's their weird. leading rusher. He's got 219 yeah. yards, but they're doing almost nothing else. I mean, in four games, their top two running backs have only combined for 292 yards in four games. That's it. Strange. And and you know, Quinshawn Junkins last year, Ryan. I mean, if, as a freshman, ran for over 1500 yards in 13 games. In four games, he's only 201 yards so far this year. That's it. And a lot of their rushing yards against Georgia Tech were the quarterback. The quarterback ran for over 100 yards. And, yep. you know, it just – so they, they're going to have to get that going because I don't think they can beat LSU if it's all on Jackson Dart sitting back in the pocket throwing the football. I, I don't think they can beat LSU that way. And I have a feeling they will get it going at some point because for, for the shortcomings Lane Kiffin has as a head coach so far, it's a really good offensive guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like he always, his teams always seem to run the football really well. Yeah. So I think they'll get it going at some point. Is this the week it happens? Shall see. No idea. Yeah. LSU's been good, solid against the run. Not great, but yeah. good. I mean, giving up 130 to 140 a game against the, yeah. the better teams in their schedule. No one's ripped them, but, but you know, they haven't dominated anyone either. I mean, Mississippi State ran for 94. Mississippi State can't run a football. Florida State, they held to 135. That's pretty good. Held Arkansas to 137. That's pretty good. So, like, it's it, they're good, but they're not, like, lights out yet. Yeah. But, like, as I said, uh, Ole Miss has just really struggled to run the football, which is There's just also a very game where you bizarre. Need, you need the Ole Miss passing attack to explode a little bit this week because yeah. LSU's not been great at stopping the pass. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Here's a, here's a, we talk, I mean, that those are really the primary games, Ryan, that we, we're going to take a look at this week. There's not a whole lot of others that that are that kind of game that they're just kind of a big say. Ohio State doesn't play this week. You know, Iowa State at Oklahoma is an interesting one, but I think Oklahoma is going to lose multiple games this year. I'm not I'm not yet concerned about Oklahoma. A couple of games I wanted to ask you about. How bad is the Oregon Stanford game going to be? Oh my gosh, I, I was actually hoping, and it seemed like it was going to be those cases early on. But like, I thought Stanford was actually going to be a little bit more of a competitive team, not a good team, but like just a little more competitive. You know, like one of those tough teams. But Oregon's real, man. I'll say this: Nix is playing good football. Their running back Bucky Irving is a stud. Their wide receiver Troy Franklin Jr. is a stud. But that offensive line, I just want to give a shout out real quick. Yeah. That may be a top two to three offensive line in all of college football this year. That Oregon yeah. offensive line. With the young young guy Connolly at left tackle is a really good player, a sophomore. But they got a Johnny Cornelius at right tackle, Stephen Moore at guard, Jackson Powers at center. That's a really good offensive line, man. So yeah, they're. Uh, I don't see Stanford stopping Oregon very much this week offensively. I don't see it. Happening. I was not a believer yet in Oregon, and you know I've been very high on Bo Nix. He's been over there, but I just I watched that Texas Tech game and I just was not impressed. I just wasn't yeah. impressed. 
But when you look at it after the Colorado game, that was the anomaly, you know, and, and it's funny. You got all these crybabies talking about Dan Lanning running the score up. First of all, I think Dan Lanning act like a jackhole. I just think he's just, I don't like Dan Lanning at all. I can't stand the guy. They scored seven points in the second half against Oregon. Against I was going to say it was 35 nothing at halftime, wasn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> they scored seven freaking points in the second half, you know, right. so oh, and none in the fourth quarter. Something if they wanted yeah, to they, they did. Yeah. But uh, the thing that surprised me, honestly, last week, Ryan, was how well their defense played. I mean, you expect them to shut down the run game because Colorado can't run football. Right. But they they took away everything down the field in the pass game. Everything that, Colorado that, Cat could get nothing corner, going in the pass game. The corner they transferred from Alabama, Kyrie Jackson, had a big mm-hmm. game for Oregon. And yep. I know they have Evan Williams that transferred over from Fresno yep. State at safety. That's a good football player. So I think Oregon has pieces. I just think a couple of their pieces have been transfer players. So maybe yeah. just took like Jordan Birch. Like maybe just took a couple right. games for them to really perhaps settle in a little bit because you know? this game so. that game said okay. Now the now the the, oh, the and this is why you always let games play out and let your opinion f- be formed the more you see, because now that now the the four games in the Texas Tech game is the anomaly, that's the outlier, and every team has those. You talk about Bucky Irvin; he only had eighty nine yards rushing last week, Ryan. They ran for two forty <laughs> exactly, but the point is like they went for two forty and he only ran for eighty nine, so it wasn't yeah. even like he went out there and ran for. 185 yards he, and he I mean, set the tone early though man oh, you were yeah. like when you watched him run you're like oh it's gonna be a long day for colorado yeah. they can't stop yeah. that young man <laughs> well like he hardly played in the second half i, I mean i don't yeah. remember him playing but like a series in the second half or two i mean i don't he didn't get the whole ball whole lot but then you your know, jordan james comes out and goes for 54 yards and seven carries no whittington has 45 yards on eight carries yep. you know they they and then and bo nixton and here's the thing bo nixon bucky irvin didn't even combine for 100 yards in that game and the oh, point they, is, they didn't need they didn't need Bo Nix to be special but in that. Game. The, the point is, it, Ryan is they didn't just come out and play their dude, and their dude went off. This was yeah. a great team win. Like a lot of dudes contributed to this butt it, kicking. Is it, my it point. was a it was a bully ball outing in my yes. opinion. Like I, if honestly, if I give the a game ball to anyone in that game, it's the offensive line. I just think yeah. that they dominated Colorado from start to and, finish. And like, why yes. are people saying calling Dan? I, I just called him a bully. Isn't that what football's supposed to be? Aren't you supposed to bully your opponent? Isn't that kind of part of it? To, I want my coach to be a bully. Yeah, yeah. I want my coach to be a bully. Like be be a composed, like you know, like that type of. Don't act like a jackhole, like, yeah. right? Because sure. again, you know yeah. this. I can't stand. Dan Lanning. I think he's a clown, right? But like how the game, like, so I think he was a jackhole before the game. I think it was an even bigger jackhole after the game. I can't stand the guy, but within the time frames of the game, that's how you're supposed to be. I want, I want, I want opponent. Marcus Freeman to be a bully, man. I, yeah. I was saying in the second half of like yeah. some of these games where Notre Dame is blowing him out. You can ask my wife. I'm always like, all right, now put your foot on their throat. And yes. Don't let them up. Exactly. Like, yes. Like, Especially when it's an opponent like Colorado that is going to be, you're going to be battling with them for recruits. Oh, yeah, 100%. You need to put a hurt. I mean, I was surprised they didn't score more in the second half, to be completely honest. Uh, I, with I you. probably would have dropped 60 and then called off the oh, yeah. personally. But... And it's not the personal <laughs> against Dion. It's like, look, Dion is, <laughs> oh. a, is a threat. On the recruiting 100%. trail to us, yes. we got to slow yeah. that momentum down a little bit by putting a serious whooping on them and slow yeah. that momentum. That's that's common sense. Because because even though one's going to the Big Ten, one going to the Big Twelve, you're still competing for recruits on the same days. recruits out west, yeah. same yep. out west in Florida yep. and Texas. You're going for the same kids, yep. same kids. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. 
Push and then the other the one, the the other game, Ryan, that I thought is a really fascinating game this week that I'm that I'm curious about is Alabama at Mississippi State. Bama yeah. had a nice win last week, yeah. but I'm still I'm still not a believer. They're I'm not a just, good football team. They're no, not a good football they're team. not. They have good players in certain spots, but they're not a good football team. Uh, luckily for them, though, I think Mississippi State's actually kind of a below-average football team. Yeah. Like, I do not think they're good. <laughs> like yeah. They completely changed the structure of how they went play offensively. Will Rogers is now a game manager, kind of under center guy a lot, and they are a running team, which is just really, really strange. I actually kind of like the Marks kid at running back. I think he's a yeah. decent little player, but it's like, you cannot have that big of an identity shift in one no. year seamlessly. Like it's just no. not going to happen. That was a mistake by a first time coach who felt he had to do some sort of, I got to, it's got to be my team. And it's like, especially with the way you took over, this isn't a situation where Mike Leach got fired and you needed to change your identity, you know, right away because it wasn't working. The guy passed away, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to change the direction, I'm more of a, Let's slowly build yes. it what you want to do because that's not Let's the team rec- you have yeah. right now. Let's recruit the quarterback we need to that's eventually train change to be a you know. Let's recruit the offensive lineman we need to transition to a more traditional team. But you've got a you've got an air raid team now. I did think they opened it up a little bit against South Carolina. It's like, I kind of think he kind of like woke up and was like, yeah, we need to. You know, so if you if you I don't know how much of that game you watch, but they they opened it up a lot more in that game. And uh the need to. Yeah. I mean, they threw 48 times that game. The previous games, they were 28, 17, and 29. That's like a half for Mike Leach in the past. <laughs> but Will Rogers went 30 of 48 uh for 487 yards in that game. And and so they they went back a little bit more to that, which again makes me I'm very interested to see how this game goes because you kind of feel like if you're the SEC West, you better get your licks in Alabama now. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying this until they just prove me wrong. You better get your licks in Alabama now because Nick Saban will f- figure it out. You know whether the the coordinators want to do, he's gonna get them going. Right, coordinators be damned. Now they're not gonna be a great Bama team like they've been in the past, but they're gonna figure it out. And if you're gonna get those chances to win, you need them now. Which is why this game is a little bit kind of. Interesting to me. Can can Mississippi State catch Bama when they're down? I doubt it, but I'm going to keep my eye on it anyway because yeah. it will be interesting. Because it, look, if question. Bama can almost lose to South Florida, Ryan, yeah, they they can they could get upset by Mississippi State if they can turn the ball over a couple times. Quick trivia question: Who is Alabama's leading tackler in total tackles so far? Caleb Downs. It's Caleb Downs. That's it. I didn't even look it up. I was getting ready to look yeah. it up. I was like, well, that's cheating. Is it really? Is it Caleb Downs is wow. leading the team in tackles, and I think the, the Dawson kid or Lawson, yeah, or yeah by by one, now. yeah. He yeah. also leads them in solos, right? I'm looking at it now. He leads them in solos. Wow, good football players are gonna be good, man. What are you gonna say about it? Yep. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, yeah, when so. when three of your t- top four tacklers and four of your top six tacklers are defensive backs, that's yeah, it's probably uh, not great. It's probably no. Not great. no. Yeah, that, that, no, I feel like the defense has been pretty good so far for the most part. But it's been yeah, good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. been good. Uh, at least in the in the games against. I mean, it's it's been good against teams that really suck on offense. I sure. guess is what I would say. I, I don't know that I would call them good against Texas. Four hundred five yard, four hundred fifty four yards, six point one per play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the only good team. It's kind of like Notre Dame's. You know. 
Notre Dame's offense being great all year, and then they finally play one really good defense and they get shut down. You know, are, are they are they as good as we thought kind of thing? Or we'll find that out. But it's going to be interesting. So very interesting. So, Ryan, that's going to do it for that. We do have a couple super chats I want to get to here real quick. We have one from AST12321. Had a chance to meet him at the tailgate this past weekend, so it's great meeting you. I think Duke is a good team, but I also don't think it's disrespectful to think we should pull away from them by the third quarter if we don't implode. I don't think that's disrespectful. I, I mean, all. Ryan, we Notre Dame should beat Duke soundly. On, pa- on paper, yes. On paper, yeah. yeah. But but yeah. It, what would be disrespectful, in my opinion, is more of, you know, they're going to pull away because Duke sucks and they're not that good. And you can respect Duke as a team and still say, Notre Dame should be, should be way better. I have no problem with that. No problem with that. I think that's very fair. Yep, very fair. I would, agree. I would agree. Super chat from David David Hess. Thank you, David. Hey, fellas, thank you for all these shows. It makes the workday go by pretty quick. Onward, Notre Dame. We're glad we could help. Yes, glad sir. we could help. Super chat from Wade Garrett. He says, if you were head coach, what signs would you look for throughout the week to know if your players are mentally past Ohio State and ready for Duke, or are they having a hangover from the loss? I'm going to say this, Ryan. I don't know that I necessarily want my players to 100% move past Ohio State. Yeah, I want them to be a little pissed off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want them to be focused on the task at hand. I don't want them getting a bunch of fights and all that other bull crap. That shows me a lack of discipline. But I want to see a team that comes out pissed off in practice. To be completely honest with you, and is flying around the ball. That's what I want to see. I think on an everyday perspective, though, I'll say this because I agree that in the practice, I want to locked in like that sucks, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how did that happen to us? But I do think that as a coach, because I always, I was kind of compare coaches to like teachers and i think that like behind the scenes when you're not teaching there are signs of it maybe being too much on some kids right where it's just like they're getting overwhelmed and they're not acting like themselves so like on a day-to-day perspective let's make sure these kids are like still themselves right like they're still good in that regard but i agree 100 is especially when it comes to game time i want like just that fire in their eyes man of like i that sucks it's not never going to happen again never going to happen again other things you want to make sure that they're not responding to mistakes in practice differently Over than they the did time. in the past where yeah. now their heads are going down. Right. A mistake now leads to a second mistake because that shows a lack of confidence. Those are next, things you can look for in practice as well. Next exactly. play is the best exactly. play. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So you want to just say, Hey guys, we don't need to change who we are. We just need to be a better version of who we are. Play our, because it's, Everything Marcus Freeman said before the Ohio State game is still true about this team. Notre Dame can't beat Notre Dame. And Notre Dame right. beat Notre Dame against Ohio State. And mm-hmm. it coaching-wise and player-wise, 100%. Yeah. So how do you respond to it? You want them to be a little pissed off, but you mm-hmm. still need them to be very focused on the task at hand. Because if yes. you're pissed off and that leads to lack to, to undiscipline, I'm playing too hard, I'm out of control, I'm, I'm, I'm getting penalties, I'm starting fights. That's not that's – not, that's not the kind of pissed off that I'm looking for. Right. I'm the, you nailed it. It's the pissed off that says, I don't ever want to freaking feel that again. Yeah. That kind of pissed off. That's what I want to see. And if you see that, then you're like, you know, we're going to be all right. We may make some mistakes and some different things like that, but we're going to be all right. This team, this team does not like how they're feeling right now. And there was rumblings, Ryan, that a lot of people on campus were reporting that they were, that the team was in a stadium replaying the end of the game on the scoreboard someone asked about that the other day and if they did i, I love uh, it. that's freaking great love it 
And I would make the coaches watch too, man. It oh, just I, they, they like were in there thing. from what like I was told. Everybody was going to watch this. We never want that to happen yes. again. Remember ever. what that feels like. Yeah. And do what we need to do to make sure it never happens again. I actually, yes. if, if he did that, I if that's actually true, I freaking love that. Me too. I do. I used to I used to watch like I used to watch losses when I was in high school. Like I would lo- I would watch them before game big games sometimes because who the heck wants to feel like that? No right. one wants to feel like that. But there's a difference between not wanting to feel like that and doing about doing something about it so that you don't feel like that again. That's what I'm looking yep. for for Notre Dame is do they take that action necessary to say, yeah, no one wants to feel that way, but we're gonna change it. It's yep. not going to happen. Yes, yep. hundred absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Got a super chat from K Grant. Ryan had a chance to meet him as well at the tailgate this past weekend. Yes, we met a lot of folks this weekend. It was awesome. Uh, And then last one, Charlie Weiss's last belt loop says, I'll be the handsome guy in the number one white jersey third row coach this Saturday. All jokes aside, let's win this on the plane now to Jacksonville, North Carolina. Safe I hope travels, there's like my six man. different guys with like number one white jerseys, <laughs> and you have to decipher which one's the handsome one. <laughs> well, the funny, the funny one is, um, you know, because you meet these people and they give you their names. Like I'm so and so on the board, and you're, and, and it's just like I don't know why, but like I, I get opinions of like in your head what people actually look like. Yeah, but a lot of times it's like based on their profile. So it's like I just think of Charlie Weiss when I think of his of he his, definitely looks like Charlie Weiss. In yeah, and life. it's like <laughs> he yeah. comes up and he's like this tall, skinny guy. I don't know what he looks like, but it's just really I, funny when you when you think that about happens to me things. a lot and I don't know if that happens to you, but this happens to me in podcasts. Cause like when I listen to a podcast, I rarely ever know what the person looks like. Yeah. I listen to their voice and I'm just like in my mind, I'm visualizing what they look like. And then I yeah. see them I'm like, Oh, that's not, that's not what I thought he'd look what, like. Like, you know, yeah. you know, Joe, like when I heard first heard Joe's voice, I thought he was going to be like the strapping guy. Like, yeah. like, and then I saw him and I'm like, Oh, you're just a little five eleven long staffer, man. You're yeah. Not a strapping guy at yeah. All. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's hilarious. I'm trying to remember. There was a movie I watched as a kid where there's like this radio guy. And he's got this really great voice. His name was like, wolfman or something like that and then they show him he's like this little short like bald you know he's got like the rock star hair but he's like balding he's got a beard he's like very unattractive and you're just like yeah you just you never know man you never know like the first time i saw the guy that that does optimus prime the voice for optimus prime peter callum like yeah that's i I don't know what he looks like i don't even know what he looks like so yeah yeah. you're like no that's not what i thought he would look like you know but that's pretty funny it's pretty funny, but yeah. And then there's I, some um, people you listen to and you're like, that's exactly how I think yes. looking like. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's been a couple times I've heard songs from from singers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this person looks like this. Or this person must be that. And then you're seeing like, nope, not at all what that's I thought not- that would look like. <laughs> right, right. So I <laughs> got that one wrong for sure. Uh, but anyway, that's gonna that's gonna do it, Ryan. So hey, dude, why don't you do me a favor? Great show today, Ryan. Why don't you go and take us out of here, man? You know, we appreciate everybody so much. If you have joined us a little bit late, remember the first section of this podcast, we talked a little bit about Notre Dame versus Duke and keys to victory. Hit on offensively and defensively what Notre Dame needs to do. Gave you all some game predictions. Talked about who are the players of the game. If it did work out that way. Also talked a lot about some other games in college football this weekend and what implications it could have on the rest of the Notre Dame season. So before you go, do you guys please hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you hit that notification bell because we are going to be live a couple more times this week, getting you all set for Notre Dame versus Duke on Saturday night. You're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. Five-star reviews are always very much appreciated. Boards at IrishBreakdown.com at the bottom of the screen for all your latest recruiting 
and Team Intel. The recruiting does not stop just because it's an away game. There's going to be players on the road. Where are they visiting? Make sure to keep you all up to date. That is there. a cool so, feature that Ryan does now, by the way, is we don't only just do previews of where Notre Dame, the kids are going to be on Notre Dame's campus, but he also talks about where the top targets yeah. are visiting that weekend. So it's a really cool feature. I, you I, check I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. If there was a couple kids maybe down in Duke that Notre Dame also has offers out to. So we shall see as a weekend works out and what everything's going on, but make sure you are subscribed everywhere. Folks, we'll talk to you again very soon here on the Irish breakdown podcast. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.